0: Lincoln Riley admitted it. It was his fault. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When well, I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching this show on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, this show is free. And I so much appreciate your support. You can show your appreciation if you're watching on YouTube. Easy stuff. Click that red subscribe button. When you see the thumbs up button, hit that. And so you don't miss one episode of Locked on UFC. Make sure you click that bell notification and you are covered. So I I said at the very top, Lincoln Riley said it was his fault. At least partially. It was his fault uh, that USC's run game was kind of neutered itself uh, when they played Colorado this past weekend. I want to be perfectly clear. So there's absolutely zero ambiguity. Lincoln Riley knows more about calling an offense than I ever will in my entire life. I can spend the next 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days, for the rest of my life studying the offense. And I probably will still be in second place behind Lincoln Riley. So I'm not going to get out of my lane. Uh, however, uh, these untrained eyes knew USC should have ran the ball uh, much more than they did against Colorado. And I think it even started going back, started noticing a trend when they played at Arizona state. Still, Uh, even though USC's run game has kind of taken a backseat these last couple of games, USC's offense is still number one in the nation in points per game, passing touchdowns. They're number three in the country in yards per game, and they're number four in the country in passing yards per game. So it's easy to understand how Lincoln Riley and the offense can get caught up in utilizing Caleb Williams understandable right (laughs) but i never bet on usc games because i always feel like usc is going to win the game and i never want to bet against the trojans so i go by the philosophy is just don't get high on your own supply there's plenty of other games out there to bet on if you want to bet but if there was one sure thing that i would have been willing to put money on it's that the Trojans could have run on Colorado when they wanted, how they wanted, and they could have probably have done it blindfolded going into the game. But again, that's why they say a fool and his money are soon parted, right? So USC's run game kind of sucked against Colorado. And that included only six rushing attempts in the second half. USC ran the ball a total of sixteen times in the game. Yeah, that dramatic pause was because that's unacceptable. That's what was mine and in a lot of people's point of contention after after the game. I, I've said it so many times, but it re, it it bears repeating. USC led thirty-four to fourteen at halftime, and they they increased that lead to forty-one to fourteen with six minutes left to go in the third quarter. The USC running game finished with 95 yards rushing. That's not even averaging four yards a carry. It was literally 3.8 per attempt. After the game, Coach Riley said that he didn't call the run game very well, but it was, just, it was a disjointed effort from everyone involved. That goes back to he was partially responsible. Monday night, uh, well, he had he reviewed film after the, <laughs> throughout the weekend, but Monday night he was on uh, the Trojans radio show, Trojans Live. So he's had a chance to watch film, dissect it up, and he started to peel back the layers a little bit of what he saw. So this is what he said on on the radio show. And as I mentioned in the intro, Coach Riley was partially responsible for USC's embarrassing run game. Quote, we could have done some things differently, schematically, and both the offensive line and the running backs missed opportunities. End quote. He continued, I was really, really disappointed with how we ran the ball. Adding that when blocks were there, backs would miss the hole. And when the blocks were reading it right, excuse me, and when the backs were reading it right linemen missed that one key block we were just a little out of sync we had some good looks we had some really good opportunities that were missed you know what i i really do appreciate when coaches are willing to assume part of the responsibility and i also like it when they point out where the players uh, need to to do better in this situation maybe be a little bit more specific. Point out which plays this player missed a block or the you know this player missed the running back missed the hole. And if we're gonna call call out the groups, let's be specific. But I will agree. Coach is right uh, because when I was watching the game live in person, it looked like the offensive line was missing on some on some assignments. And it did look like maybe a running back, you know, thought they saw a bigger hole somewhere else. But at at the same time, I also don't remember too many just straight ahead power runs uh, that, you know, pretty much all the run schematically, it looked like a lineman was either pulling or slanting. So if you want to impose your will and be physical, put helmet to helmet. eight of Marshawn Lloyd's 13 rushing attempts went for four yards or fewer. Yeah. And even on his touchdown run, you know, that, that what was it, 27 yards? Uh, that one wasn't by, by design. <laughs> he had to do his best Caleb Williams impersonation on that one. So when USC scored their final points of the game in the third quarter, about two minutes left, it literally, it put the defense, they were put on the spot. Uh, And the defense right now this year, they are good enough to play well. And they do it in spurts. I don't know if they're good enough to say, all right, game's on your shoulders. I don't know if they're good enough yet. But asking them to go on the road against a good passing offense, that's a pretty tall task. So when you have a 20-point lead and the fourth quarter still left to play, look, the offense, they, they can't get tired or stop executing. Incomplete passes, predictable run calls. Those are the reasons why USC ran a total. Let's sink in. 11 plays on offense compared to 27 for Colorado in the fourth quarter. Whoa. On yesterday's episode, I I mentioned USC's defense. They they had to be on the field for 90 snaps. Well, the offense is partially responsible for that. And Lincoln Riley is. Partially responsible for that, since he calls the plays, he runs the offense. Riley actually pointed to that um, what I was just describing when he talked about that on the radio show. Uh, "Quote: There was a 28 snap differential in the two groups, and that's a huge difference, and that's not always ideal. We could have helped because it's a team game, and you can help a lot by being able to control it. We have to run it better. Our backs have to, our backs have got to see it better." I've got to do a better job. Our linemen have got to do a better job. We had way too many good opportunities there, end quote. So that's two games in a row where the run game was, and I'm using finger quotes, neglected, uh, much more so in the Colorado game than than against Arizona State. I mean, the Trojans probably deserve to drop in the polls just because, for this reason alone, They made Colorado's run defense look good. Colorado is still overall the number 116th ranked rush defense in the country. Remember, there's only 133 FBS teams. USC, they're going to host Arizona Saturday night at 730. Uh, The Wildcats, they've been pretty good against the run so far this year. They're number 23 in the nation uh, rushing defense and they've yet to allow 150 yards rushing in a game this year for what it's worth. Uh, And I know it's against USC's schedule and USC's defense, but it's already happened three times, and it's happened in consecutive games. In the next segment, we're going to talk about USC's defense must-do list. And in the third segment, another five-star on the USC's roster is potentially going to redshirt. That's coming up next. Hey, the summer is almost over, but so what? Who cares? You can still wear your bird dog shorts, pants, all of your bird dog's gear, any time of year, year round. Bird dogs, they make you look good because they're designed to fit you slimmer. They just they feel comfortable when you're wearing your bird dogs. Especially if you've got those thick athletic thighs, they're going to give you that sculptured look and you're not going to feel that pinch in the inseam. Good stuff. And they definitely fit fit way, way better than, you know, regular cotton shorts or jeans or, you know, dress pants, whatever. Because those things are typically made from stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs, they use an anti-stink and an anti-sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And really, who wants to stink? There's no trading places. I like wearing my bird dogs because when I look good, I feel good. Go to birddogs.com forward slash lockdown college for a free, I believe they're giving away a uh, a, a free water cup tumbler with every order. So use your, go to birddogs.com forward slash lockdown college to use the promo code lockdown college. And yeah, you are. You're going to get a free Bird Dogs water bottle. And you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. I promise you. College football season, it's here. And the season locked on is kicking up our coverage. Each Friday, locked on. They're going to go live from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern every Friday on any Locked On College YouTube channel. Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications the conference rivalry games. And they're going to go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. You can find Locked On College Football Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern. That's 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. All right. We've all been in a relationship. Hopefully, we've all been in a relationship. Um, and we've all had our honey-do list. Honey, can you do this for me, please? This USC football team has some must-do lists. <coughs> Excuse me. In this segment, we're going to talk about the defense's must-do list. And this is, if, If they do these things against Arizona this coming weekend, everything should just work out just fine. USC will improve to 6-0. I kind of already talked about what the offense must do in the first segment. Use the run game. I'll talk about USC's offense must-do list on tomorrow's episode of Locked on USC, but we're going to focus on the defense in this this segment on this episode. Arizona's head coach, Jed Fish, he's also an offensive guy. And they're coming off a, they had a really tough 31-24 to 24 loss at home to a really high-scoring Washington Huskies team. Uh, while the Wildcats were playing with, uh, they were playing with their backup quarterback. His, uh, he's a local product. He's from Servite High School. His name is Noah Fafita. You might recognize the name. He's not going to be the biggest guy on the field if he plays again, in case their starting quarterback, Jaden DeLora, is not available. Uh, But he does know how to extend plays uh, with his feet, with his legs, and no one's ever going to confuse him with Caleb Williams. But he can, like I said, he can extend plays. He can keep drives alive. In his first start at quarterback last week, again, he was starting for the injured Jaden DeLora. The redshirt freshman had a pretty good game. He completed 27 of 39 passes, three for 232 yards and three touchdowns. And he did that against Washington's defense, which isn't no slouch. Head coach Judd Fish said, I thought he did a really good job. I thought he handled the play calling well. I thought he used his legs at the right time. I thought he was accurate with most of his throws. As I said all week long, If Noah was going to start, there was not going to be any change in what we do. That's because of how all those guys prepare in that quarterback room. What that means for USC's defense is the Trojans need to be prepared uh, for a quarterback that will take off and run with the ball. And that's usually an Achilles heel for USC's defense, especially since they like to leave the middle of the field wide open. And I bring that up because before Jaden Delora injured his ankle the week before against Stanford, uh, Jaden, who is also a very mobile quarterback, uh, he likes to use his legs also. So regardless of who plays, um, the Trojan defense needs to be prepared for a running for a quarterback who will take off and run if the opportunity presents itself. I've seen Noah play uh, in person in high school. One of the things this Trojan's defense is going to need to do is contain the edge and get pressure up the middle without letting you know which whomever's playing quarterback get outside and make plays with his legs uh the Wildcats last week were also without their starting running back, Michael Wiley. Head, you know, their head coach, Jed Fish, that he doesn't have a timetable for when either will return, but he did say both are pushing really hard to come back. I'd be surprised if uh, Delora uh, didn't play this coming week as well as the running back. And if, if Delora does play, I would imagine because it was an ankle injury that he's not going to be as mobile as he's been in the past. So, uh, that should give an advantage to USC's front line on the defense. Uh, who look, they've been pretty effective. They they have been the best unit on defense through, so far this year, without a doubt. Defensive line, rush ends. And so, if I'm Alex Grinch, I'm preparing to face both quarterbacks. And I'm going to make both quarterbacks well. The is more experienced, but if you know if the redshirt freshman starting on the road in front of friends and family could have some butterflies. I'm you know you got to make sure that uh, if if the backup quarterback is playing, that you make him feel uncomfortable. That's what Alex Grinch can do. Something to note: since uh, their opening season drive against Northern Arizona, the Wildcats have not scored on, they haven't scored any points uh, in the first quarter, and they're getting outscored 31-7. to 7. That, that little factoid right there, it would be really embarrassing for USC's defense if they broke that trend and allowed Arizona's, Arizona's offense to score in the first quarter, especially since this game is being played at the Coliseum. The USC cornerbacks, they've taken a lot of heat recently. The year right was the uh, victim against Arizona State. And against Colorado, Damani Jackson, had he's had better games. <laughs> that's the best way of putting it. In this game, um, the USC cornerbacks, they need to be ready for quick strike throws. Not a lot of, you know, verticality. The, you, the Wildcats will go downfield, but that's not their big game. Uh, they like to go a lot of horizontal stuff, intermediate stuff. So the the UN, USC cornerbacks, they need to they need to be sticky. They need to be on their guy. Don't play any of that passive coverage stuff, and see if you can be sticky without being handsy. I would love to go a game without somebody in the secondary being called for a PI, holding. No defensive penalties. i would be Awesome. I can deal with the targeting or an unnecessary roughness. I don't want a targeting, but those are from those those types of penalties are from being aggressive. And you can say the same thing about holding, but on defense, you don't need to do that. Uh, And I bring this up how the cornerbacks should be looking to play because Noah's first touchdown last week, it was an eight yard touchdown throw, it was a small little corner route to uh, wide receiver Jacob Cowing. If you remember USC's game last year in Tucson, you remember that was a high-scoring game. USC per- pretty much outlasted Arizona 45 to 37. USC gave up 380 yards passing and 163 yards rushing. I mentioned Jacob Cowing. Uh, you'll re- USC fans definitely remember Dorian Singer having a really good game against USC. Seven receptions, 141 yards, three touchdowns, and he just missed another one-handed touchdown in the end zone. Uh, That could have been the difference in the game. But uh, here are Cowings' numbers. He was a second-leading receiver. He had seven catches for 80 yards. And also last year, uh, he's a sophomore this year, but freshman last year, Tita Rora. McMillan, let's just call him T Mac. He had three catches for 62 yards. If uh, Noah Fafita is playing in this game, uh, I anticipate him continuing to look for his friend and high school teammate, T Mac. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, uh, Noah's third touchdown of the game, or fourth touchdown, third touchdown of the game, uh, it was a goal line pass to T Mac. It was in the flat. So again, a lot of short passes. This is why the cornerbacks need to be up on their guy. Oh, actually, that was his third career touchdown. The that duo, Noah and T-Mac, they connected for another touchdown later in the game to cut the deficit to 31 to 24 with about a minute left to play. So on tomorrow's episode, I'm gonna talk more about what USC's offense needs to do against Arizona's defense that kept the Huskies passing game pretty much in check. We'll talk about that more on tomorrow's episode, but I I kind of just wanted to get started breaking down, getting into this game and what USC's defense will need to do against Arizona's offense. Now, in this series, USC, they've dominated. Literally, they have owned Arizona. They've won the last 10 games, 19 of the last 21, and they lead the overall series 37-8. to eight. However, the last three games, they've been sided by one score. And Arizona's last win in L.A., 2009. Does that mean they're due? The law of averages say yes. Are they good enough on offense to beat USC in the Coliseum? I don't think so. Remember, USC is undefeated under Lincoln O'Reilly at home. That record needs to stay the course. Snap into the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets if you win or lose. Doesn't matter. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including you can bet on the point spreads. If you like to uh, bet prop bets? Player, bet, pl- uh, player prop bets? Jump on in. They got it for you. They got the over-unders, and they got a whole lot more. So visit FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to And you can kick off your NFL season, FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So first it was Rayleigh Brown who is deciding to redshirt. And I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that if it's possible, he will. Now, following Tuesday's practice, before I get to that, um, I, I'm saying it's, I, I think everybody anticipates Rayleigh Grant is going to red shirt. After Tuesday's practice, well, not after, during Tuesday's practice, he was working out with the uh, special teams units, receiving punts and kickoffs. I don't know if that means anything. However, just want to kind of let you know. Now, following Tuesday's practice, uh, head coach Lincoln Riley updated everybody on Corey Foreman's status. Uh, Lincoln Riley said, "Redshirting Corey Foreman is something we're exploring right now. I don't want to say anything as for sure because a lot of things can transpire. If you're, In case you're wondering, Corey Foreman didn't play against Arizona State. He made the trip, but he didn't even make the trip to Colorado this past weekend. When the news broke regarding uh, Ray Leak's possible redshirt, uh, it, it happened because everyone – saw him working out on the scout team offense, and everybody kind of assumed that with the emergence of Zachariah Branch and the rest of the wide receivers who could also play the slot, um, that that was kind of put Ray Lake into the redshirt category, put that into motion. As I mentioned just a minute ago, Ray Lake is out there. He's working out with the team still. He's in uniform, dressed, ready to practice. He was with the uh, scout team unit. I still think it would be surprising if Ray Leak is on the roster next year, and I still think he's going to seek out the transfer portal. That, that, that's an easy explanation. USC is deep at wide receiver. They got more guys coming in with the recruiting class that are really highly ranked, highly, highly recruited. One of the guys, by the way, Xavier Jordan, Milliken High School, who can play in the slot, he's scoring a touchdown every three times he touches the ball this season. That's pretty good. So, how do you explain the number one defensive player in the country coming out of high school by most recruiting services, Corey Foreman, essentially a a can't miss prospect, completely disappearing since he's been at USC. His first couple of years, he went from one staff to a new one, and then last year, you know, he had that play. You know, that that huge play uh, to kind of seal the game for USC against UCLA. And then during the offseason, everyone had high hopes because he was being moved back to his natural defensive line position, defensive end, where he could put his hand in the dirt and, you know, be coached up by Sean Nua. There's, he hasn't played this year. You know, he's been on the field for a handful of snaps. That's it. This one's a little bit more difficult to explain because when you look at him, when you look at Corey Foreman in uniform, you're going, whoa, that's a dude. You see a physical freak. But when you see him on the field, the play just doesn't match up with what you should expect from somebody who was rated as high as he was. I think part of it was he was asked to drop weight and then he was asked to move inside and play on the defensive line. So now he's probably not comfortable in his own skin. I'm not sure that was advantageous. And he he just never developed any moves or, you know, other than... Every time you watch him, he's trying to overpower the guy in front of him with a bull rush. He, he just, he, he hasn't learned how to shed the guy he, he's going up against, giving himself a run at the quarterback or the running back. On occasion, he, he would beat his guy. But on occasion isn't good enough when you're a a Corey Foreman, when you're anticipated to be that that guy. And here's big picture. USC was already having a challenging time getting top-tier defensive players uh, through the recruiting, through the, through the recruiting process. We know that's been a, a struggle uh for, for Lincoln Riley and his staff last year. Easy, Easier to understand. This year, not so easy to understand. So assuming that Corey Foreman is going going to redshirt this year, and then by extension, probably transfer at the end of the year, what kind of message is that going to send to recruits who are already skeptical? You know, on one hand, you have Corey Foreman, who wasn't a Lincoln-Riley recruit. I'm not saying he wouldn't have recruited him had he been at USC. I'm just pointing that out, that you know, Corey Foreman, you know, he, he he came in with Clay Hilton. So how much of, you know, how much or how much does the lack of Corey Foreman's development? How does that fall on Alex Grinch and his coaching staff on the defensive side of the wall versus maybe Foreman just maybe he just wasn't as good as his ranking coming out of high school? So that's kind of where you're at with with the whole Corey Forman situation right now. And I I believe the Trojans are anticipating an announcement from a defensive player. this is going back to Lincoln Riley's bat signal the other day. So if Corey is exploring um, other options you know, at least we're going to have, we can always remember that last play that he had against UCLA. Is it? So if Corey doesn't play this year, is that a big loss? I mean, from an on-the-field production standpoint, it's not. He hasn't done anything this year. From an optics point of view, you know, it's, it's local stud flames out under Lincoln Riley and his defense. Fair or not, those are going to be the narratives. He hasn't played this year, so it's not a loss. And, you know, there it is. You you come to USC and you want to play defense. Are you going to get developed? All I'm going to say right now is I would not anticipate Corey participating much going forward this year. Now, let's end this show on a positive note, on some positive news. Uh, Coach Riley named uh, kind of gave an update on Zachariah Branch and Max Williams. Uh, both of them didn't play in the last game. Quote: Yeah, both progressing. Uh, both did a lot more today at practice on Tuesday than they did last week. So hopeful they're ho- so hopeful to be able to have both of them. Obviously, those two are prominent players, and not having Max, especially in a game like that where you end up playing a lot of snaps on defense against a spread, high tempo offense, that one hurt. Being without Zachariah is a lot easier to play for Lincoln-Riley. A lot of options at wide receiver. Not so much without Max Williams and Christian, and Christian Pierce also wasn't available. And like I said, you're going up against an offense that likes to throw the ball. So when your own, when your own offense stops producing, playing, scoring points, that's going to force players like Bryce and Shaw to be on the field for way too many snaps. So positive. It looks like you're going to get Zachariah Branch and you're going to get Max Williams back. And that's going to help. It's supposed to be Max Williams. That's going to help on the defensive side of the ball. On another very positive note, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, he was named the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week. He tied his career high. Six touchdown passes. 30 for 40 passing, 403 yards, and he also ran for 12 yards. He actually ran for more than that, but a couple sacks, kneel downs, takes yardage off. So the Trojans, excuse me, they have scored in that game against Colorado. They scored seven touchdowns on their first 10 full drives of the game. That's a really good stat, which makes it really hard to believe that the way the game ended. It's just, how do you score seven touchdowns on your first 10 drives and then just all of a sudden lose your offense? I don't know. Maybe I'll find it, and I'll let you know when I come back tomorrow for another episode of Locked on USC. because we come at you five days a week. So until then, everyone, you know what to do.